You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. Hey, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Two Smart Assets. I'm Danny Nichols. This goes Chris Thompson. Chris, what's up, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Good, it's a great good. day. Did you have a good week? Yeah, it was all right. It's been a long week, uh, but uh, good. Hey, that means you've been busy, right? Yeah, always. Hey, you know, we can't be mad about that. So uh, first of all, we just want to say thank you guys for tuning into the show. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening to us and uh, giving us feedback or, you know, just reaching out to us. Um, as always, we love to hear from you guys. So um, keep that up. You know, we'd love to uh, connect with more of you guys. So um, definitely looking forward to hearing more from you guys. So thank you for that. I just wanted to put that out there. But uh, today uh, we're going to be talking about um, basically how the general partner gets paid and you know what fees are associated with them basically getting paid and mm -hmm. what's that look like for a past investor and why you, why you should even care really um, as a past investor because we are focusing on the passive side. Uh, we are passive investors so we want to make sure that uh, this aligns with your interests and also kind of gets you some education on what to be looking for or just how they get paid in general. So uh, really with the syndicator fees, they can vary from deal to deal and sponsor to sponsor. You'll see some sponsors have fees and then other sponsors, they won't have that fee. Just, it, it really depends on the deal and how it's structured and you know, what's needed in the deal, the size and scope of that deal. So it's going to vary uh, from deal to deal what fees are are implemented and also the size of those fees. You know, you might run into some that are 2%, some are 5%. You know, you'll see different ones. It just, it's, it's very deal specific. So be aware that they're not going to be, it's not a static thing necessarily. You will run into common uh, fees associated uh, with these apartment syndications with, with the general partner. So you might see some of the fees frequently if you invest through other deals, but uh, they do vary and some kind of just pay attention to. So we'll just dive right in. First thing we want to talk about is some of the costs associated with the GPs doing the due diligence. And this is really just the upfront stuff before the deals even get started. So Chris, take it away. Uh, you know, so deal, due diligence really is about doing your homework. You know, there's, there's definitely risk in owning real estate, but uh, there really is no easy button. So it's important that you got to pencil your deal in, you know, because how can you know if you, if you're getting a good deal, if you haven't done the math and really compared it to the other deals. You know, you got to take precaution, uh, performing your calculations, reviewing documents, procuring insurance, walking the property, the property, stuff like that. So there's a lot of costs that really come with all those, uh, with all those tasks. And so, you know, <clears throat> likely to be in the tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you're going to need to get those due diligence costs funded. All right. So you're going to approach a family member, uh, or sign a personal guarantee, uh, sign a personal guarantee uh, that you're going to pay them back at the closing. Uh, another option is you could ask one of your passive investors to kind of front that cost. Uh, you could pay them at the back, uh, at the back end uh, at closing with interest, uh, or you can offer them a percentage of the actual partnership. Uh, really, you can kind of expect to give up maybe about 5% of the, uh, of the ownership to that person who fronts the due diligence costs. You know, so you got earnest deposit, legal fees for contracts, inspections, appraisals. So you can see there's a lot that goes into it this, adds right? Up there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. And, and the upfront costs associated with putting a deal together is no small it's no small feat. It's a lot of work in general, but it's also not free. I mean, these things cost money. And a lot of times you'll see, especially when they put up a deal for this, uh, they call it going hard. And it's basically, you know, they're required to put up money on a deal 
uh, to potentially, they're intending on closing out, but they put up money. It's basically earnest money that goes hard. And that means you're not getting it back if you pull out of the deal. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. So, you know, there's these costs associated with doing the due diligence up front, but then there's also other things just to be able to be in this deal that are required that, you know, you may or may not get your money back if you pull out of the deal. So uh, these are things to pay attention to. These are some of the risks and some of the costs associated with even just getting a deal under contract and moving forward. So with that, let's jump into a little bit of how uh, some of these syndicators are actually getting paid and how they make money. Some of the fees associated with that. Um, First all, first off, uh, typically what we're seeing or what apartment, how apartment syndication, syndications are structured is with uh, a split, a split between the GP and the LP, right? And so the GP is the active people in this deal and the LP are the limited partners, the passive investors, Chris and me, right? Chris and I, and then you guys out there who are also doing passive investing. So that's us. And so basically how, how this works with the split is, the GP will have a setup, a structure where they'll do a split um, of the profits between the GP and the LP. So say you do um, a 50-50 split. Let's just do that, for example. Well, uh, any profits that are realized after, say, the cash flow is, the cash flow is taken into account, those are split 50-50, right? So say, say, so Chris over here is the GP, I'm the LP. Well, we just realized, you know, the cash flow is, is great and a certain amount, well, he gets 50%, I get 50%. And that's how, that's how it could potentially work. However, we're seeing deals, most of the deals we see uh, offer a preferred return. And a preferred return is basically a percentage of upfront, the LP is getting paid a certain percentage before the GEP gets any money, right? So we're seeing that pretty common. It's usually 8%. Uh, but with the split, if you apply the split after the preferred return, it's usually how it works. So say 8% is, say you achieve 10%. And then eight uh, percent is given to the LP, and anything after after the eight percent, that two percent is split. And usually, the typical splits we're seeing right now are 70 30. 70 30, 70 on the on the LP side, thirty on the GP side. So, say Chris will get thirty percent, I get seventy percent of that of that two percent of that split, or of that excess after that preferred return. So that's basically what we're seeing right now is is really that seventy thirty. Are you seeing anything else, Chris? I mean. Or is it pretty common for you to see a 70 yeah, split? Yeah, 70-30, it changes uh, like as each, uh, as each cash flow hurdle is met, you know, like you were saying, you know, uh, maybe with the f- uh, preferred return of 8%, uh, anything after that 8%, we're seeing 70-30, but then maybe once we hit the next metric of maybe 10% or 15%, now it's going to start to shift a little bit more, you know, in an effort to incentivize the, the, the GP to continue to exceed, uh, to meet and exceed the, uh, the metrics that they're aiming on. Right. It's a little, little benefit for, for them doing a job well done. Right. Yeah. Like I said, incentivize them. And then what do they call it? The waterfall? It's a waterfall. Yeah, it's a waterfall. So uh, it's, it's another terminology to, to keep in mind. And uh, another way the profits or the split applies is the profit split applies is when you exit the deal or when, you know, you go to close sell the deal, exit the deal, whatever you want to call it. Um, all that, the excess equity that's left over uh, in that sale is split according to whatever's agreed upon. So if it's a 70, 30, or maybe you hit your metric and now you're doing a 60, 40 or a 50, 50 split. So it, it can change. It really just depends on how the deal is structured. So if you're entering into a deal uh, passively as a, as a passive investor, pay attention to how these splits are set up. Um, you know, what are the splits for the GP and the LP? Is there a preferred, first of all, you need to make sure to check if there's a preferred return. You know, look and see if a preferred return is offered. 
what that percentage is and then check to see if the splits after that. And then you want to look at those hurdles like Chris mentioned before, say if, you know, they reach 10, 20, 12, 15% or whatever, is there, is there a, another split associated with that? So, you know, the GP has been incentivized to um, do as best they can. Obviously they want to, you know, get their investors as much money and then also themselves. Uh, so pay attention to the splits, make sure you're looking into those type of things and uh, you know, they'll be in the executive summary, but if you ever have any questions about this kind of stuff, just ask, just ask the syndicator, you know, you can hop on the phone or shoot them an email or if there's a webinar, you can just pop on there. So, um, okay. So the splits, that's typically how we're seeing uh, these guys, the GPs, they make money uh, throughout the deal. Um, and again, it's a good way for, it's, it's a good alignment of interest for both parties, especially if there's a preferred return uh, for the, for the LP. So, Again, pay attention to that stuff. Um, after that, we're going to move into uh, some of the fees that are associated with uh, apartment syndication. That first one is going to be the uh, the acquisition fee. Chris, you want to take that one? Uh, the acquisition fee, you know, so there's another collection of duties uh, that are performed by the GP uh, is, you know, just acquisition management. You know, they're responsible for finding the deals. They're going to generate the uh, off-market deals and build those uh, build those coveted broker relationships that everybody just wants. And, uh, you know, to kind of help increase their deal flow. And, you know, they're responsible for the underwriting of the deal, submitting of the offers and uh, uh, on any of the qualified deals. And after the deal is uh, under contract, they're going to manage the entire due diligence process. You know, they're going to secure financing. They're going to oversee the closing process. And typically, you know, the acquisition manager is going to receive about 20% of the actual GP. Right. So, and that means 20% of the entire GP's pot. Right. And so, but we'll typically see for uh, the way it's broken down as for uh, an asset management or an acquisition manager's fee is basically one to 5% of that purchase price. So, so whatever the purchase price is, they're tip we're seeing uh, a range between one to 5%. That's what their fee is going to be. And this is, this just depends on the size and the scope of the deal and the way they've set it up. But this is, this is a one-time fee that's paid to the GP upfront at close or when, you know, when the deal is closed. So, um, it's not like an ongoing thing. Um, so it's just a one-time fee that these, these GPs are, are going to get. And like Chris said, or like we spoke about before, you know, that it takes a lot to get these things to the finish line and actually close these. Uh, there's a lot of things that could come up. I mean, you know, with lending or, you know, the seller in general, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen, especially when you're doing your due diligence. And Chris knows this, you know, doing single family homes and, uh, for most of our investing, things happen, right? I mean, things, to get, come, things come up all the time. And as a real estate agent, I'm sure you see this every day. Yeah. It's so frequent that you ne you never know what somebody's going to do between getting the property under contract until financing comes through. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things. You just got a, another hurdle that we're going to have to overcome. Um, you know, there's really no, nothing new. And so it's just a matter of partnering with the right people that can have the, that have the experience that can overcome whatever obstacles, you know, pop up at the last minute. So absolutely no question. Okay. So, uh, we're going to move on to, uh, another fee. It's called, uh, the guarantee fee or the guarantors fee. Um, Chris, what is a guarantors fee and why, I mean, what does that even mean to be a guarantor? Uh, okay. So to be a guarantor, you're basically the sponsor of the deal. You know, the sponsor is the individual who's going to sign on the loan. He's the person, the, this person's the, uh, they're going to cover, uh, they're either going to cover like the experience, uh, the financial requirements, uh, you know, 
ideally, you know, a sponsor is usually going to be a person with a net worth equal to the principal loan balance uh, and a liquid, liquidity of about 10% of the principal loan balance at the time of closing. You know, so the compensation to the sponsor, it's going to vary from deal to deal. Uh, but typically, they're offered a one-time fee at closing or an ongoing percentage of the GP. Uh, the one-time fee could really range from about a half a percent up to about a percent. Uh, and the ongoing percentage of the GP could kind of range from five to about 20%, maybe even more at times. But again, it's going to range from deal to deal and also, you know, how well you're able to negotiate the actual, uh, the actual deal. Uh, and really, the riskier the deal uh, or the financing, the higher the compensation. So just keep that in mind. Another thing to keep in mind too is that, uh, you know, you touched on uh, to meet the requirements of a loan guarantor, you need to, you know, have a net worth of so much or liquidity or experience. Well, let's think about this for a second. Say we're passive investors, right? Say we have a lot of money, high net worth individual, or just, you know, a lot of liquid uh, cash sitting around or access to it. Really. You don't necessarily have to have experience to get into this. If you are a high net worth individual or you have liquidity, you can become, you can be completely passive and just have a high net worth sign on this loan. Sure, there's risk involved like Chris was talking about before. And that's something to pay attention to. You want to know what you're investing in. But it, it is truly passive to invest as a loan guarantor just based off high net worth and liquidity. So essentially, it, you're just signing your name to a contract. So, you know, if something, if this turns, it turns belly up, uh, you know, the sponsor is going to be a, the one who can cover that cost. And Really, at the end of the day, all you're doing is kind of signing your name to a piece of paper to guarantee that you're going to cover that, and then you just kind of sit back and let the money flow in as the deal as the deal comes to uh, fruition. Right. So, as for passive investing, just speaking strictly on that, you know, you can invest as a passive investor uh, with actually putting in money, uh, like most people do, um, or there are another ways, and this is one of those ways. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, being a loan guarantors, you know, signing on that loan, you know, if you have a high net worth or uh, a lot of liquidity or the experiences in general to meet the requirements of, of the lender, you know, this is a great way. Mm -hmm. And if you have, if you have the ability to do that, so it's definitely something, uh, definitely something to explore. Um, another fee we want to talk about is the asset management fee. Chris, what do you know about the asset management fee? Well, generally the, uh, the asset manager is going to receive, you know, 20% to maybe 30% of the GP's pot. Uh, the GP is responsible for the ongoing asset management, uh, you know, of, uh, of the deal after closing. Uh, you know, they're going to ensure the property management company is really implementing the business plan, uh, which includes, you know, conducting weekly performance reviews, you know, with the site manager, uh, frequently visiting the property, you know, making sure everything's being done as it's supposed to be done and analyzing the market uh, and the competition and really addressing any issues that come up between now and then. Absolutely. And, you know, so for this, for the asset management fee, it's really like, it's an ongoing fee, right? You're going to be, you're going to be paying this throughout the life of the project. And it's one of those things to pay attention to that, how it's getting paid out. So there's two, two ways you can pay, or this structure of payment is made. It's usually either in the percentage, uh, what we're seeing is usually two to 3%. That's what we've seen in some of the deals that we've looked at, uh, yep. two to 3% for the asset management fee, or they can pay it on a, a per door basis. So basically, um, you pay so much per door per year and that's kind of how that asset management fee is paid out. And typically I think we've looked, I just remember is things like $200, $300 per unit per year. So that's how it's, that's just an example, but that's potentially how it, it can be paid out. So there's two different ways. It can be paid out as a percentage or per unit uh, per year. 
And uh, what, what, if you look at it on uh, as a passive investors type of mental process and, you know, alignment of interest, I know we keep talking about alignment of interest, but it's, it's pretty critical for as a passive investor to have your interests aligned with the GP and vice versa, right? You want it, guys, well, this is a team, team effort really. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it needs to be treated that way. So as for looking at how the asset manager is paid, uh, the alignment of interest really uh, goes along with paying uh, that fee being paid as a percentage, right? Cause incentivizes them to um, basically do as best job as I can, because that fee is based off the income generated by that property. Right. So, you know, if there's no income on that property, well, they're not getting the asset management fee is not happening because, well, there's no income. So, but if you do it on a per door, uh, per year basis, you know, they're just going to get paid no matter what. So, uh, it's something to look into do as a passive investor. Um, it's kind of something to pay attention to. They're both to. viable options, right, but just right. d- it's going to depend on the deal. But you'll see a lot of spo- uh, the sponsors we've seen that usually it's a percentage and they, because of, you know, alignment of interest and stuff like that. So um, just make sure you're paying attention to that. Uh, what uh, The last fee uh, we kind of want to touch on to is uh, the uh, refinance fee. And not every deal is going to have the, the refinance fee. And uh, yeah, so you just need to pay attention to um, – she need to pay attention to that. So what do you think? I mean, it's, it's important to keep in mind. So that way you're not surprised by any, uh, by anything that comes up last minute or, you know, you, you just don't want to be surprised by something you didn't expect. Right. And so the refinance fee is usually one to 3% of the original loan amount. And that's paid to the GP at closing of the, at closing of the new loan. So when you go to, when you go to refinance, it'll be one of those things, Hey, you know, it's going to be one for three, 3% of, of, that uh, new loan amount. So something to pay attention to. If you're gonna, if they're gonna implement a refinance in that property, uh, make sure that you're uh, paying attention to that and uh, what that price would be. But again, not all deals are gonna be refinanced. It's just, it's just not how it is. So um, these are some of the fees that we've seen uh, associated with apartment syndications. Obviously, Chris, kind of like we've talked about before, they're gonna be, the fees are gonna vary. They're gonna be different uh, across the board. So. Um, uh, we can probably touch on more in a later episode of some more fees and stuff. If you guys want to hear anything more about that, please let us know. But uh, we're just kind of gloss over a few that we've, uh, we've seen um, the most common fees. These are the most common fees. So, um, well, Chris, I think that's pretty much all we have for the show today. You got anything else? You know, you, every week you ask me a, a kind of a different question and a, this time, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, what is it? Is there is there anything that you've had to overcome or something that's kind of, uh, you know, opened your eyes, you know, recently as to, you know, what we're doing, what we're trying to pursue and, you know, like what's helping you out right now? Well, uh, man, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I actually something happened to me uh, this this past week. You know, we started investing in single family homes for a while and, uh, you know, did some other stuff. And, you know, found the apartment syndication thing or just syndication thing in general. And, uh, you know, it was a real eye-opener for me. And I know for you too, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a real eye-opener, just the possibility. And we know, you know, where the market is right now. Things are getting tight and deals are harder to find just because of, you know, different things. But uh, the potential of syndication in general is uh, something very powerful and it, and I know the feeling when I first heard about it, it kind of took me back a little bit. Like, why did I know about this before? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, well, anyways, so I work uh, in the oil and gas industry and we work with new people regularly. I mean, you work with the same guys, same guys and girls uh, for the most part, but there are other people coming to your day to day. And um, we'll, uh, 
some new guys came in to, to work with us and, you know, we're, we all just kind of go out and just chat. Everybody's pretty friendly. This, this is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, uh, easygoing environment out there. So anyways, we're talking and, uh, talking to these guys about investing and stuff and a lot of stock talk going on and, you know, bring up real estate and these guys are talking, you know, we've invested few rental properties, you know, got some single family homes. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I love that. And you know, it's being a real estate investor. As soon as anybody starts talking about real estate investing, my ears perk. I'm like, what? I mean, I was busy doing something completely. I mean, I was working really. And then somebody started talking about real estate investing. And I, I basically stopped working at that point because I couldn't focus. So I had to turn around and, you know, talk to these guys because I was fully engaged with what they were talking about. Cause you know, we've done single family rentals or just investing in real estate in general. So I wanted to talk to them. And the guy was saying, you know, uh, telling about his goals, you know, what type of real estate investing he's doing. And he had bought a, a single family home and he also bought, uh, it was a single family home with uh, a duplex basically in the back. It was basically like a garage apartment, but it was two units. So he basically bought a triplex and I was like, man, that's awesome. And he ended up putting 25% down and when his goal was to pay him off, you know, he wanted to get the cash flow where he could just pay him off or he wanted to pay him off so he can get this cash flow on it. And, uh, and he was talking about, I asked him, you know, are you managing these, these yourself? And he's like, yeah, I'm managing these myself. And the thing is, you know, he works, uh, uh, he's away from home two weeks at a time, uh, working out there, working the oil field. You know, you're, you're away from home two weeks at a time. And uh, so I asked him, I was like, you know, talking about the challenges of uh, managing yourself and all this stuff. And um, he talked about it wasn't too bad. You know, obviously there's certain things. He bought a pretty good property. It was basically turnkey, but uh, you know, he says it wasn't too bad, but he's just getting into it. And anyways, uh, fast forward for a few minutes, I started, I brought up a apartment syndication. Actually, I asked these guys, I asked, have you ever heard of syndication? And I mean, no, the answer was no, flat out. Don't know what that is. Never heard of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, so uh, I brought up apartment syndication and I started telling them about, you know, what it is what the benefits are, you know, some of the risks associated with uh, apartment syndication and the look on their faces. I mean, they were, the look on their faces was like, I was lying basically, you know, and kind of telling them about some of the stuff we're seeing with uh, some, with the deals that we're looking at and some of the things these, uh, these operators are doing and, you know, just tell them about the benefits of the cash flow, uh, you know, the passive nature of the deal, the diversity of the markets, the diversity of the sponsor, uh, the tax benefits, because these guys are, these guys are uh, self-employed, you know, so the tax benefits alone, I mean, it's huge for these guys. And uh, anyways, so I, first of all, I was blown away that, that I had never heard of it because really, <laughs> Chris knows this, right now we are so consumed with syndication, it's unbelievable. It's every day, it's pretty much all day, every day, as much as we can. And um, so in our mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, these guys are real estate investors, of course, they know about syndication. I'm not going to tell them anything new. Well, turns out that's wrong. And the reality is, is that while they're, if you're in it in a part of syndication or you're consumed by it, like we are, uh, it seems like everybody's doing mm -hmm. it. But the reality is there's still plenty of people who don't even know what it is. So I felt obligated to show them the light basically here. Let's, let's tell them a little bit more about this. So, and Chris actually just that week of the day before we had been, he had been putting together a sample deal to present to people who potentially want to invest in apartment syndications. So it was like perfect timing. Mm -hmm. So I print this thing out, bam, put them in their hands. And next thing you know, they're sitting here reading it. And it's like, we're not even at work because we're not, I mean, all we're talking about is real estate syndication and the benefits. And, you know, they're asking me questions, you know, what are the cons? What does this look like? And all this stuff. And you could tell it was one of those things. 
I don't know what I looked like when I first realized what real estate syndication was. I don't know what the look was on my face, but I saw it on their face and that's what I figured my face looked like when I first heard about it. So, and I know Chris, you probably, we've talked about it before. You probably had a similar uh, reaction when you first heard about apartment syndication. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that uh, all the things that you're not even aware of, you know, and like you said, you know, we start with single family homes cause you know, it's, it's a good business to be in and it is. And uh, you know, whether we're buying and holding or whether we're fixing and flipping and then after we do it just a little while, we realize like this isn't going as fast as we would need it to. And so then it just kind of morphed into a slightly bigger thing. And then when we discovered the syndication, like our mind was blown. Like, <clears throat> really, you guys are doing this? Like, this is amazing. How can I get involved? Since that day, we've just been grinding every day, hit the ground running and just learn, consume, go to conferences, go to meetups, you know, read book after book after book and podcasts. Like it's just, and like he was saying, you know, it feels like, everybody knows about this, but really we're in such a small little world that all the people we know know about this. It's just amazing what you're, what you don't even know is out there. And I'm glad we found it. I think it's funny that he's able to kind of like, like he says, show somebody else the light. And uh, I mean, that's what we're here for to right. give you some information, maybe spark an idea that you didn't, uh, that you didn't have before. And uh, yeah, we just, know. you know, we want to bring up, these things because they might just simply have not occurred to you you know it's one of those things that we it, it happened to us so we can't be alone in this and uh you know again there's a lot of people who know about this and there's a lot of people who are you know getting into this space but we want to be able to educate people who don't know and to be able to have that happen to me last week and just see that firsthand it was it was pretty special really and uh it just validated in my mind that we need to keep this going and really and push this as much as possible and try to help as many people as we can because even with this guy, he said, man, I wish I would have known about this, you know, two, three months ago. He's like, I would have just invested in apartment syndication. You know, I would have tried to do my due diligence, but I might have invested in this apartment syndication other than buying, you know, this three unit property. It, you know, it's uh, less risk. The returns are, pre are great, potentially great, you know, and the tax benefits are great. I mean, obviously he gets uh, certain benefits and, you know, buying his uh, three unit property, but it, it was pretty special. And so for me, yeah, that, that was something that happened to me and it was really an eye opener and it just kind of reinforced the fact that uh, this is something, you know, we want to be doing for a long time and uh, whether it's, you know, we know markets change, we know um, investing changes, you know, things come and go, there's cycles, but we, you know, we're in this for the long haul. We've been investing in real estate for a while, for a little while. And uh, we don't see this stopping whether we have, even if we have to change vehicles within real estate, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we see this as a great tool right now to add to your portfolio and we we want to keep that going and we want to bring as much information to you guys as we possibly can regarding this matter because we want you to be able to take advantage of it just like we are. So, um, all right, Chris, well, I think that's pretty much all we have for the show today. You got anything you want to wrap up with? Man, I'm happy and uh, excited to get to the next episode. Absolutely. Okay, well, we'll talk to you guys soon, but until then, keep investing in yourself. See you later. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.